and a one and a two and a three. Welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. I'm your rotten, moldy apple, Daniel. Oh, Daniel, that's so sad. This is how I'm feeling today, whoever you are. I don't know who you are. Well, I will introduce myself. I am Adam, your persimmon person. (laughs) And I am the the king of alliteration, and I am the (laughs) co-host of this wonderful podcast, The Podcast, if you will. Passion for its podcast. A passion project for passionate people. Daniel. Yes. Question for you. Oh, first God. of all, first of all, what is a podcast? Second well, of all, <laughs> what do we do on this podcast? Uh, a podcast for all you boomers out there is like radio for the internet. And what we do on this podcast, we examine life and how to live it almost. We get down into the dirt and the grime and the dust because as we are uh, born from dust, thence we shall become dust um so yeah this is our podcast jesus jesus talk (laughs) welcome to jesus talk uh jesus a jesus cast for jesus people (laughs) oh no oh boy um i i would like to take a little bit of time daniel if you will allow me oh king of podcasts yes uh we do have a guest on the show today as well to talk about some of the things that he is passionate about. Jeff, would you yes. like to introduce yourself? I certainly would, Adam. Hi, guys. I'm your guava guru, Jeff, and I'm just... Yes! No. Jeff, well done. Just well done, Jeff. Just a guy who likes Hey, guava. Jeff, I'm going to kick you off, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you dick. Um, thanks for joining us, Jeff, and thanks for... Because, uh, of course, as many people are right now, uh, just in the midst of self-isolating for the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us remotely, Jeff. I understand you are recording completely naked. Uh, Actually, I'm in my underwear, but I am eating right now. So (laughs) this is going to be an enjoyable experience and I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. All of our, as Adam calls them, billions of fans are really going to enjoy listening to your naked body and also your naked mouth eating porridge. Just make, just (laughs) All you listeners out there, just take a second, stop, and just try to visualize the awesomeness. All right. I'm sure they are. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for joining us, Jeff. Happy to be here. So, at- <laughs> well, I kind of hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, there's not much point to this. <laughs> Adam and I, well, Adam, how did you meet Jeff? Uh, Jeff and I met in our respective graduate programs. He was uh, one year behind me and, and just, you know, uh, he, so he and I went and got our MBAs at the same program. He was, uh, that's basketball. Uh, came in, sorry, basketball, <laughs> NBA. Oh yeah. Yes, it's a, yes, it's exactly. a post, it's a post college doctorate in uh <laughs> it's like Dr. J. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the NBA. <laughs> uh, but I, I I identified as someone who liked cycling in my uh, graduate program or in, in the in the business program. And then Jeff came along and was like, hey, I like bikes too. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever, Jeff. And then he's really good at bikes that well, I found out very quickly. So, so, Adam, I think it was actually Ben that connected us or recommended that we uh, you know, get Does, together and start riding. It was it was Ben. 
does Ben listen to this podcast? Most likely not. <laughs> then I don't want to fucking talk about him. <laughs> ben, sorry, buddy. You're not getting talked about tonight. Well, you just did, so. But, Jeff, you are on this podcast because you are such an avid cyclist. More specifically, you are an avid uh, gravel cyclist, one who was registered for the Dirty Kanza gravel race this past, or this year, not this past year, excuse me. Why don't we kind of just hop into the Cocoa Corner, or no, sorry, why don't we hop into Passion Fruitspedia and give a little synopsis on what exactly is gravel cycling. Jeff, if you would like to kind of talk about yourself, talk about gravel cycling, um, and what it really means to you. Well, I really hate talking about myself, but I'll give it a try. But I don't think I need to talk about myself in the context of gravel cycling, so I think that's okay. Um, no, we want to reduce you right down to Jeff as the gravel cyclist, so... Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> given the name gravel cycling, it's cycling on gravel. It's as simple as that. I, but <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> my mind is blown. I know. I know. All right. This will be a kind of like a round table idea, like talk about what gravel cycling is. Uh, so yeah, like Jeff said, um, cyclists, road cyclists, you know, when roads became rougher, and as the 20th century kind of progressed into the age that we are now in of flying cars and Facebook, ro- people wanted to get off roads because they're dangerous. It's scary. So people started to turn towards riding on fire roads um, with their mountain bikes. But frankly, mountain bikes aren't as twitchy as road bikes. So they started making gravel bikes and people rode on gravel. It kind of came out of cyclocross, which Adam and I talked about maybe a little bit on our mountain biking episode. But, you know, gravel cycling is just getting off the beaten path, finding different roads to take um, to get down to your local ice cream shop that you might not normally take. Mm -hmm. Maple View Creamery. Oh, yeah, that's one of the best. Um, Adam, what do you think gravel cycling is? So I have... A similar perspective, but gravel, I, I, so as background, the concept of gravel cycling or gravel biking or gravel grinding, uh, really started to come into popularity probably what, six, seven years ago or so, would you say? Right. Yeah. It would, um, it was, yeah. When, where I grew up and I agree with you, of- Adam. <laughs> where I grew up in the type of road riding that I did, uh, riding road bikes meant that you rode on gravel roads because I grew up in a fairly rural or agrarian uh, part of, part of uh, Virginia. The sticks. And so you, so exactly <laughs> the sorry. sticks. Did I say yeah. that out loud? I, uh, it, it was the sticks. <laughs> it was the sticks. Sorry, um, Jeff was Jeff was actually just playing with his devil sticks, <laughs> and that's what he says when he starts playing with them. <laughs> the sticks. Uh, <laughs> the gravel. The 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 joke for all of us that grew that kind of grew up riding in the Shenandoah Valley area was that. Gra- when gravel grinding became quote unquote popular is that it's like, yeah, it's, it's, that's what, that's the type of road riding we've done for ages. Um, and so Adam, were you the inventor of it? 
I was not the inventor of it, Damn unfortunately. It. I wish I could have patented that shit, but you know, oh well. <laughs> so, so for the cynics among us, for the cycling industry cynics among us, the the concept of gravel grinding is yet another way for the cycling industry to capitalize upon an already known trend to sell more bikes and uh, further differentiate <laughs> product lines. Oh, Hurrah. here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Adam but, taking them to task. <laughs> no, but to your to to your both your all's points earlier. I mean, gravel cycling has really become popular because uh, riding. There's so much press around the dangers of riding on the road, and gravel riding gravel roads and having bikes that are capable of t- tackling harsher terrain uh, really expands the the options for a lot of people uh, for where they want to go and then i think there isn't as much of a uh uh it's more about the experience as opposed to the outright speed associated with gravel racing at least so uh you know would you all agree jeff daniel i've raised my hand i don't know if you guys can see it (laughs) we can but (laughs) Um, uh, i could feel it (laughs) but yeah no adam to your point and you know at least personally I feel that my draw to gravel cycling is less about the uh, perceived dangers of riding on the road and more about the uh, adventure that can be found in these sort of remote and not out of touch, but um, not frequently traveled areas. So that's my draw more so than the safety aspect. So when I had, well, before I got a gravel bike, I would take my road bike off-road as frequently as I could. Being from south uh, southern New Jersey, though, the, the terrain is mostly sand, um, so there are very few opportunities to do so there without just ending in annihilation. Um, hmm. But being you know down here in the south, in North Carolina now, there's a lot more uh, uh, opportunity to uh, explore the unbeaten and road less traveled very insightful very poetic too jeff but jeff so how did you like because you know (laughs) in adam and i in our uh mountain biking episode probably our most popular episode ever you know 500 million listens to that one adam and i talk about how we got into cycling and how our love of cycling progressed how did you really get into cycling as a sport yeah, so how much time do we have? We have about 24 hours. Oh, okay. I got plenty <laughs> of time then. Um, so I actually started off my athletic endeavors as a runner. Um, ran cross-country and track throughout high school and college and continued that a little bit post-collegiately. But yeah, so I ran for the better part of a decade. And, you know, I really enjoyed uh, the sport of cross-country. was my favorite. And that's, you know, it's very close to mountain biking or, you know, gravel cycling or you're in the woods, you know, away from the uh, the hustle and bustle of society. So I guess I really got into cycling. You know, I use it first as a cross training activity um, to you know give my legs a, a break from the pounding. Um, but back in was it 2013, I suffered a really bad ankle injury, and it took forever to to heal up. Um, and long sustained blocks of running you know, would really bother it. So I started cycling more and more, um, eventually bought a decent, uh, road bike and then, uh, 
in 2015, I entered my first race and I got dropped. So, oh. well, <laughs> wait, what was your, what was your first race though? It was the, so I was living at the time on Oahu in Hawaii. Yeah. And, uh, the race was the pineapple Hill sprint. So it's, I forget the exact distance. I want to say it's 11 miles, but you start in the town of Haleiwa, um, famous surf town. And then you just race up, they call it pineapple Hill. Um, it's about a seven mile long hill that rolls through the dull, uh, pineapple fields. Cool. And you get to the top, you hang a right and it's like a rolling mile and a half or so to the finish line. Um, and I stayed with the group up until I got, uh, dusted in the final sprint. So, yeah, well, that's experience. so strange. It's strange to hear about Jeff as the novice cyclist. Cause I just know you as like the guy who can borrow somebody's bike and win <laughs> every cyclocross race he enters and then be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go do a 200 mile ride the next day. And it's, it ain't no thing. I so don't, I don't think that ever happened. The 200 mile ride part. It, it, in my dreams, it did Wow. <laughs> when I was, when I was alone at night <laughs> thinking of Jeff, <laughs> hmm. oh, sorry guys, <laughs> is this uncomfortable um, now? <laughs> I think I have to run. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't run because of your ankle. Uh, you have to house bike. is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Don't joke about that, Jeff. We're all living in. We're all living with uh, terrible anxiety right now, so don't even joke about that. So how did your love for cycling kind of progress after you got dusted? I mean, <laughs> some people would... Hang it up. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know too many people who would kind of hang it up, but some people would definitely feel like discouraged after kind of a sound, a sound beating like that. You know, I think the reason I stuck it out is just it the sport of cycling itself forget the the racing side of it but just the the act of cycling and, and being out you know the speed and the ability to you know travel to places under your own power and, and see different areas it's it's a great way one to explore uh, you know if you're living in a city or wherever you might be it's a great way to get out and, and see see your surroundings um, not from the inside of a metal coffin you know, nice. You, you know, you get to experience all the the smells and the headwinds and the rain. Very so really, um, really chalking it up to be quite a. So, so <laughs> should we preface that, <laughs> Jeff? Should we preface the fact that you were a sailor in the navy and sailed on submarines? In the navy, <laughs> Jeff was a sailor. Uh, in the navy, he was not a tailor. In the navy, <laughs> there's several true things Sorry. about that. I was in the navy. I was not a tailor. I was on nice. submarines. Um, yeah. So I guess you know, being outside <laughs> was you like that. <laughs> It was a good escape. <laughs> you can just say that, Jeff, being outside and then a five second pause. <laughs> and like where, where, where I work now, it's great because there's so many windows I can see for miles. Uh, anyways. As opposed to under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> under oh, no. the sea. <laughs> Everything's better. Downwards, wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> that bit you can cut out. 
No, I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, Jeff, that is um, fascinating. So in moving from New Jersey and Hawaii and then ending up in North Carolina, it sounds like in Hawaii you were doing mostly road riding and mountain biking or how did you kind of discover gravel cycling? Because I mm-hmm. want to get ultimately to your passion, how you're crazy enough to sign up for Dirty Kansas. So <laughs> um, let's um, kind of hear that. Sure. So I actually bought a mountain bike. This was back in 2012. I was living just outside of Charleston in South Carolina. And I got gotcha. a, a specialized carve. So Ooh, 29... Nice. Yeah, 29 hardtail. It was white and black and green. Nice. Sick colors. Hell yeah. So nasty on it. Um, but, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff like hangs up and like we can never contact him again. It's like, Jeff, we have to finish this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got that bike and, and there were trails um, around the base where I was at and also within riding distance from my house there's another set of trails. So I'd do that, you know, on the weekends or if it was, uh, you know, summertime days were longer. So after work, I could get out for a quick hour. So I enjoyed being on the dirt again, you know, going back to cross country and and running in the trails. It just, it speaks to me, man. I I feel it in my, my, my bones. (laughs) Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh. Hawaii was um, Hawaii is an interesting place because, as I'm sure you're aware, it's an island. Um, what? Yeah. Contrary <laughs> wow. to popular opinion. I'm learning so much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, there's not a whole lot of gravel road to be had. Um, right. And what the, what is there is usually on private land, so it's you know it's hard to access. Um, without, you know, risk of of uh, fine or imprisonment or being shot on site. <laughs> gotcha. Cool. Um, yeah, so road was the safe alternative. Um, hmm. You know, fortunately, there's a lot of, of uh, opportunity to experience different terrains, you know, within the road side of things because you have all these different valleys that, that run up to the ridgeline. So you can, you know, you can go a whole day and just go up and down these valleys, climbing and descending. Um, and you're going from city of, of Honolulu, Waikiki up into the jungle and then back down. And it's, it's, uh, quite an experience, you know, to, uh, yeah. to get that sort of range in a single ride. That, that is pretty cool. I, I, Jeff, I, I do want to get into a little bit of just what drew, not just what drew you to cycling, but specifically long distance cycling, because, you know, your history is a cross country runner. And then I would say that there are plenty of cyclists, either mountain bikers or, you know, uh, road cyclists or casual cyclists that don't strive for these super long endurance rides, which you, you have done ever since, ever since I've known you, but it seems like you, you've really put, you're constantly trying to push the limit of what you can do, whether it be the, that big climb out in Hawaii or kind of these random, uh, you know, 150, 200 mile rides that you do here in, uh, uh, here in North Carolina. Like what, what draws you to that aspect versus criterium racing or like, 
you know, short, shorter form mountain biking or just doing a loop in Umstead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, and, you know, part of it's the challenge, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I've never ridden this far. Can I, can I do it? You know, stringing together just cool loops, like out in the, out in Western North Carolina here, you know, we have Mount Mitchell and, and the Blue Ridge Parkway. And so Adam, to your, to answer your question, you know, I'm still not entirely sure that I've, I've, I've found where I belong in cycling. You know, I've done some crits and they can be fun. Um, part of the reason I don't do them regularly is because as you, as you are uh, both aware, you know, I'm coming off a collarbone uh, fracture, not from right. a crit, but, you know, I don't want to end up in another similar situation or, you know, have to buy a new bike because some dodo had in, in three riders up, touched wheels and took out half the field, you know? Um, Those dodo heads. Yeah. You know, I like to... I like to call them chowder heads. I don't know why I call them dodo heads. I, <laughs> I think know. I'm are you, like, are you like a grandpa <laughs> from the 1950s? The hell, Jeff? What did this ride today do to you? <laughs> uh, it mixed up the wires in my brain. Gotcha. All the pollen has like infected your brain cells and oh like gosh. you're almost a zombie. But on a point that you said, Jeff, you said that you are still kind of not sure that you found the exact kind of cyclist you are. Can you expound on that a little bit more? Cause I mean, I don't want to equate your, cause you are an extremely good cyclist. Like you are very fit. All the races that you enter, you seem to get first place by like 50 miles. Like some of them are not 50 miles. So that's not possible. Okay. So thank you. (laughs) Shut up. How, (laughs) what do you mean by you saying that you're not sure that you've found your, like found your niche as a cyclist, if you will? That's like, that's a very existential question. <laughs> I mean, Hey, that's <laughs> kind of what Jeff? we go for here. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> also, Jeff, what is the meaning of life? And if you uh, could talk about that right now, and... Oh, nice. You got it. Yes, Jeff. <laughs> yes. All right. Episode over. Sorry guys. We're done. <laughs> So to answer your question, Dan, I, and I don't like to, to toot my own, own horn. Eh, oh my gosh. I don't like to toot my own horn. <laughs> Look, you hear you dodo head. Yeah, this will be the section where I, you know, how every episode we have a bunch of sound effects. This is where I'll, I'll put in the sound effects. Don't worry. Okay. Like a, a hubba hubba, a whirly girl. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Wait, Adam, do your Claxton horn impression. <laughs> Wait, which are, like wee wee. <laughs> yeah, that's what we love. <laughs> but All yeah. right. So, uh, <laughs> I um, I would consider myself more of like an all arounder, if you will. Like, uh, you know, like a Peter Sagan, only not <laughs> nearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. As, what's the, what do I want to Lame? Use yes, not oh, nearly as lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much more personable. You Better know. looking, faster, richer. Yeah. yeah not yeah. a robot. The yeah, whole, yeah. yeah, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So that being said, you know, there are a lot of things that I still want to do. And, you know, right now I'm just. I'm surfing the gravel wave, man. 
and it's fun. Oh yeah, and I enjoy it because it's because it's fun. <laughs> wow, <laughs> cool. the The other thing that I think we forgot to mention is that Jeff did just get back, literally like walked back in the house in his in his apartment from like a hundred forty two mile ride. So yeah, we were uh, trying to start recording this at eight o'clock. Yeah, and Jeff was like. So, <laughs> Jeff was like, you dodo heads, I'm still riding. <laughs> and Adam and I are like, we're in our PJs, okay, Jeff? <laughs> we're nice and comfy in our oh, uh, AC houses. I'm amazed, Jeff. Your ride time was always nine hours. Yeah, Jesus. I wasn't uh, wasn't banking on that, to be to be real with you. <laughs> As a, you thought you were going to go faster? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would have liked to, but uh-huh. so... Given the current state of affairs and, you know, the, uh, the shelter in place and, you know, social distance, uh, distancing and, and all that, it's hard to do a long ride um, if you don't have support right now. Because you can't stop at any convenience stores. Well, actually, you probably could stop at convenience stores. I think they're open. Um, but there's not many on the yeah. Greenway. Anyways, I digress. Yeah. Um, but like the parks and stuff, the, the water fountains have been shut off. So you can't just stop and fill up a, a bottle. Um, so I was fully self-supported today. I probably had 20 pounds worth of stuff, five water bottles and a liter, a cola, no, a liter and a half camelback, <laughs> you know, so over a gallon of water mm-hmm. and, and then all the food and, and snacks and, and Sammy's that I could fit in my bags. <laughs> so I was, I was loaded down. How how did you do on the preparation part? Like, was that an appropriate amount of food and water to get you through 143 miles? I didn't run out of anything. So, yes. Damn, nice. But the counter argument or, or counterpoint to that is I couldn't really eat anything the last two hours. <laughs> Why was, is that? Uh, I think I was having a little bit of gut rot going on. Oh you know, shit! I was, I was just feeling nauseous. But yeah, and <laughs> couple that with the fact that it's the hot today was the hottest day it's been all year so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, that wasn't uh, wasn't the well, best. Um, so Jeff, like, I mean, could today's like not any special day except it being the hottest day of the year so far. Like, mm-hmm. and a what Saturday. made and a Saturday? You're right. Thank you. Um, you know, not the Lord's Day, but uh, tomorrow will be the Lord's Day. But that's when you're going to rest. Today you're working. So right. um, what kind of like makes you just get up or get up one day earlier this week and say, I'm going to do 150 miles, 143 miles on Saturday? Like how, you know, we've heard of your kind of humble beginnings as a cyclist in Hawaii going to Charleston now to this Uber robot cyclist uh in north carolina how do you what gives you that motivation i'd say right now especially given the social distancing um i don't have to like rely on a group ride at the moment um so i can just kind of go out and do my own thing and then as i'm sure you're both aware you know we have some random challenges that pop up in slack uh you know like this umstead ten thousand feet thing which i thought about doing today good thing i didn't because they closed the park so that would have been right you know for not um and then so i was like all right i gotta do something else because i'm bored i just want to get outside (laughs) jeff (laughs) 
I want to dive in a little bit on what you said is you don't need to rely on group rides now, but in my, from, from my observations, you've never really needed to rely on groups to, to ride where I think there are a lot of people that are into cycling because it's a social, it can be a social activity. Oh yeah. I mean, cycling is definitely a social sport. Um, but I don't know. I kind of like to just do my own thing a lot is, of the time. Is is there a particular reason for why you like to do your own thing? Is it, is it just a mentality thing or the fact that we're all slower than you? <laughs> no, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not, it's got nothing to do with the speed. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to put words into your mouth, Jeff, but I, I think going to, but yes. here it goes. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just mansplain this to you real quick. <laughs> Please do. No, but there, there are times like when I ride my mountain bike where I really enjoy riding alone because mm-hmm. I can go at my own pace, whether or not that's slower or faster than anyone else. And there's also like a Zen mentality that I get where I can just shut my, shut my brain off other than like dodging trees and where I don't have to worry about. <laughs> Adam, other... you're doing it wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, that's, that's what I like. So I enjoy riding with people. I also really enjoy riding alone. Yeah. So Not, does that resonate with you? Yeah. I think you nailed it there. And, um, you know, just being able to get into that sort of flow state and not have to, not have to worry about crossing wheels or something, you know, riding in a, in a large group can be stressful, you know, especially if you're not familiar with the people that you're riding with. Um, so, you know, you take on a little bit of extra, um, risk there. And, you know, I think the other thing too, is a lot of people don't want to do some of the things that I'm doing because they Hmm. think I'm crazy. Um, (laughs) so, so Jeff, um, (laughs) This is kind of related to your ethos and your mentality on cycling and cycling alone. Um, have you ever read the uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Ah, see, I have it and I've started it. I actually borrowed it from my cousin. I have never gotcha. finished it, though. Go okay, on. That, well, that sounds about right for that book because it can be kind of a dense heavy-handed preachy book about exactly what you're talking about because i mean literally what you said about people in cars and their metal cages and their coffins if you will um is almost what the author in zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance talks about with riding a motorcycle about how it's like when you're in a car basically you're watching the landscape go by from a tv screen but when you're on a motorcycle here, a bicycle, you're watch. you're like in, in the environment, in the landscape and actually like part of it. So is that kind of what's driving you? And if we could get into talking about Dirty Kanza, is that what is kind of driving you to do, do Dirty Kanza? Um, so real and quick. And if you want to explain what Dirty Kanza is, would yeah, be sure. good as well. So just real quick, I, I've never told anyone this before, but my uh, oh god, my pen name is actually Robert Perzig. Oh, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <Jeff. laughs> so wait, you're like 75 years old, and you've also maybe possibly also dead. <laughs> I've aged well. What can I say? <laughs> Clearly, you're a zombie. I knew it. <laughs> For FYI, uh, Robert Perzig passed away back in 2017. Oh, all right. um. 
Well, his Jeff, soul are you a ghost? lives in Jeff. <laughs> I feel like it right now. Read my dense book about motorcycles. <laughs> it's a great book. Thank you very much. It is no, I I love that book, but Adam, you got to admit it's dense. I, it's heavy. I wouldn't say it's dense. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> okay. Same fucking. When you're talking about a book, that's the same goddamn thing. <laughs> I mean, it's anyway, 2020, so- though. Like, who reads books anymore? So, I guess, should we hop into uh, the DK? Yeah. yeah. Tell, us what, tell us what Dirty Kanza is. So, Dirty Kanza is a gravel race in uh, starts in the city of Emporia, Kansas. Uh, so Flint Rock Hills of, of Kansas. And for those of you that haven't been to Kansas before, and I haven't been yet, um, it's apparently not flat. So it's a lot, of, a lot of rolling hills, you know, grass meadows, the whole nine yards uh, with really razor sharp rocks. But did, Jeff, did I tell you I've ridden out in that area before? You have not. Uh, yeah, it it's it's no joke. It's uh, they're steep freaking hills. <laughs> Adam's Mister Dirty Kansas himself, so he invented the race. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that's true. That race was founded. It was back in like the mid two thousand, uh, like two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, I think it was 2006, actually. Two thousand six. Total of thirty four riders. There you go. It's uh, in the last ten. For almost 15 years now, that race has exploded um, and has become like one of the most premier races, uh, gravel races in the world. And I think last year they had it capped around 25 or 2,700 riders. Um, Jesus. This year is supposed to be a little bit more. Uh, and it's super difficult to get into. Um, they have a lottery system for entry. So it's a, uh, how much, like, is it? 200 miles, 300 miles. What, how many, how long is the race? Well, there's a couple of different options. Um, I think the latest check for, for this year, they had a 25, a 50, a 100, a 200, which is like the standard that is dirty. Canada. Right. Um, and then an event they added a few years back, uh, they called the DK XL, which is about 350 miles. Um, and it's the one that I had, uh, Put my name in the hat for and uh, was one of the lucky uh, registrants. Registrants? Damn. Registrants. Yeah. You were registered to uh, ride 350 miles on gravel. Yes, sir. Let's establish that for a second. So, I, for for all the normal people out there, a hundred a hundred miles on the road is considered like a pretty big feat as far as like your your cat or recreational cyclist like people train for you know months to do a a century right like kind of like people train for a marathon i Mm -hmm. i i I think a marathon is a little bit harder than a century personally but uh and then jeff goes and just says like he like (laughs) rises up from the his bed like the terminator and is like uh i'm gonna do 143 miles today you know i'm gonna put 20 25 extra pounds of weight on my bike and my body but i can do this so yeah and it's it's (sighs) i think it's nearly twenty thousand feet of climbing over that jesus christ so because the dirty kansas has now become huge Mm -hmm. like the race has been bought by some company lifetime 
yeah, to make it this premier cycling event, I mean, you'll see reports on uh, cy- uh, Cyclocross Magazine, Bicycling Magazines, like GravelCyclist.com about Dirty Kanza. The, I mean, people have built professional careers around winning Dirty Kanza, and you'll see their gear that they've used and the bikes that they use, the tires that they've used. And it's nice that they actually have like, a 50 mile ride, like a hundred mile ride. Like honestly, Jeff, I, I will never do 350, um, probably ever in my life, but a 50 mile ride in Kansas sounds kind of nice. So, it does. <laughs> and I think that's one of the, the great things about the gravel cycling community is it's very inclusive. So yeah, I mean, you might not have the, the physical capability or even the desire to ride two or 300 miles, but you know, there's still a way for you to partake and, uh, you know, experience th- that atmosphere. So I think that's great. And so in the, in kind of that point on the desire to do more miles, what was your desire to do 350? <laughs> so this is going to sound kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, but, look uh, who you're, I mean, you're talking to Adam and I, who oh, yeah. are okay. the least dumb people so out there, I right, really thought about this and did a <laughs> oh, full sure. I did a full analysis of my decision approach uh, for this and I said to myself I said self what would be the <laughs> best way for me to participate in dirty Kansas so the 200 mile option is far and away the most popular um, so I think for you know the 2500 slots or whatever it is they probably have like 50,000 people apply I'm, I'm making that Price. number up, but it's it's a lot. Uh, it's, so you're, I mean, you're, probably accurate, but yes. Yeah, so I mean, the odds aren't all that great. So I was like, well, not a lot of people probably want to ride 350 miles. <laughs> so and, or can <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair point, Adam. Um, <laughs> and so the lottery for DKXL takes place. I think the registration, I think it opened up in like mid-November and mm-hmm. then the the announcements were mid-December. And then the lottery for the regular Dirty Kanza takes place in early January. So if I had missed that opportunity for the 350, then I would have had, you know, a follow-up opportunity uh, to put my name in the hat for the 200. Gotcha. So that was kind of my thought approach. And, you know, I've, I've never ridden 350 miles. I, I think my longest ride is just a little over half that. It's like when I did the 300 kilometers on my 30th birthday, it was like yeah. 188 or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Terrible. Jeez. Yeah. Step yeah. it up. <laughs> <laughs> that was all Greenway. So it was like, you know, compared to what exactly I did like here. Exactly like Dirty <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was basically a trial run. Right. And, and Jeff, for... I mean, for, for the DKXL, so for the 350-mile course, that's mostly self-supported, correct? Yeah, it's like entirely. You, you have, yeah, so you have, like, drop bags and stuff you can place around the course and have, like, a cooler, but it's, you know, you don't have, you know, a motorcycle coming up and giving you water every... So, actually, Adam, you can't. You, uh, you can't receive any outside assistance. Um, oh, wow. Um, unless, like... You know, you have some guy who's set up a table and he's handing out water to everyone. You know, it has to be uh, indiscriminate like that. Hmm. <laughs> Hot dog. 
Adam's hungry. He wants a hot dog. <laughs> I thought he learned a new word. <laughs> um, he's like uh, he's like William Shakespeare. He uh, creates new words. <laughs> so yeah, just like you, he's a writer. So because you don't have any outside support, no drop bags or anything, uh, they give you a list of these various convenience store stops along the route, and they you know they mark them with a the mile marker and tell you what's available there. Um, but even still, you know, you have to be able to ride that gap in between. And I think from what I've read and what, what I've seen in the, in the course description, there's about a hundred mile gap at one point between stops. So you have yeah. to be able to carry a hundred miles worth of stuff. <laughs> Until you actually do it, it's hard to visualize. But like, like Adam said, a hundred miles for people, like that is a full day of riding that. So that, that I didn't realize that that is crazy. Um, what kind of like, I, and I didn't even realize about the convenience stores that you could stop mm-hmm. at. So Jeff, they had the, the first year of the DKXL, the 350 mile course was last year, correct? I think it was 2018. Do you know approximately how many people rode it and how many people completed it? Uh, I know the first year was not a lot and it was a little. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um so they you have a 36 hour window to complete the course in. That's insane. Wow. And so you start um you start Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. So you and that gives you a full like 18 hours or so. Hmm. Um before the everything else starts Saturday morning. Wow. So you're out, gotcha. you're out on the course yeah. all night basically, which is nice cuz you know it it can be really hot in Kansas yeah. at the end of May. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the other thing is there is no shade in Kansas. Yeah. Like none. You are Yeah. Exposed. Everybody's like, everybody's really respectful to each other. So nobody's throwing shade. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's man. part of that inclusive community that I spoke to earlier. Yeah, exactly. I'm really banking on a 60 degree cloudy day. Good. end of may early june i ooh, that's uh oh, no. you, you better bank hard my friend the problem is you don't want to bank too hard on a cloudy day because then that turns into rain yeah. yeah that's fair coach adam is worried about you so jeff in getting like so you decided to get in the lottery for this 350 mile ride like a crazy person and then you got into it how do you and like we've said in previous minutes of this episode, you are an, a great cyclist in amazing shape. But as you said, you have never done quite a ride like that. How do you even begin to train physically for that and mentally? And how do you remain passionate for that training? Cause I mean, some people, like again, some people do a hundred mile ride and they fall off. They're like, all right, I did the hundred mile ride. You know, like I can go back to doing my normal 20, 30 mile rides that I do. Like, how do you maintain that passion and that desire to get to that level? Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Dan. So I'm not going to say that I, you know, I've figured out the secret formula because I certainly have it, have not, sorry. I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was about to run to your house to get that secret formula for you from you. <laughs> I forget what it was. It was so secretive. 
Um, <laughs> and I guess so for you, millions upon millions of listeners out there, let me set Thank the you. stage for you real quick for what was going on in my life during this time frame. Oh God. I forget exactly. I, the lottery might've opened early December, but in late November, I crashed while I was out on the ride and just obliterated my collarbone. Not as bad as Dan's, but still Man, pretty bad. Collar, collarbone brothers unite. Hell yeah. And you know, I ended up having to get surgery on it, um, which sucked. And, mm-hmm. you know, being off the bike sucked and not being able to use my arms sucked. And, you know, the whole, the whole process really just sucked. You know, <laughs> Sounds so, like it. Yeah. It's not a great time, <laughs> but you know, like all things, well, most things it heals. Um, so, you know, I knew it was just a matter of time before I could be back out. And so as I'm thinking about what, I, what I want to do for 2020, um, you know, I decided, okay, throw my name in the hat, see what happens. And, uh, <laughs> I actually found out that I got selected for it the night before I was scheduled to go in for surgery. So my training for this 350 mile race started with orthopedic surgery. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you told your surgeon, you were like, I got to get ready for this. You're like, really give me the best drugs you have. Give me the best shoulder that you've got. Like, could you just put in some extra muscle in there to make me heal faster? Cause I've got a, 350 mile bike ride in six months. <laughs> you sure you don't want us to put that in your legs? Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Good call. You were drugged. So you didn't really understand it, but <laughs> sure doc, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, fortunately there weren't any complications with that. So, um, you know, surgery was December 17th and then I was up at my parents, you know, through the holidays and I, I, hopped on their spin bike, I think day five or six post-op. Doc wow. probably wouldn't have been happy about it, but you know, whatever. Arm was <laughs> in a sling. You're a badass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't anything crazy. It was like 20 minutes just spinning the pedals. But yeah, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of months on Zwift. And uh, yeah, you know, when we have days like today, it's, it's, it is nice to be able to just get outside. Um, so you were kind of so with even with your shoulder, you were still training indoors and doing keeping your fitness level up because I mean you could you, you as a rider could do longer rides before your injury, so you were just kind of keeping your fitness level up on inside on the trainer yeah. during the winter months and also when you're recovering from your collarbone surgery mm-hmm. and trying to gotcha. build it up to it's just like a culmination of, of bad timing so i'd taken my right. you know my time off and in uh october and just started like building back up in late october early november and then i you know went and broke myself right so all that fitness which was already at a at a low point just got lower and uh you know for, i was you know working with a coach and he's had riders you know experience this before and he's like don't worry you know everything's gonna be okay We'll just, uh, we'll get you on the trainer and, you know, you'll be surprised. You'll probably bounce back, you know, stronger than, than you would think otherwise. And there is something to be said for riding indoors, but you know, that's another time for another, uh, another podcast. But yeah, so to keep your mind, you know, to not get burned out, going back to your question. Yeah. You can't, every day can't be hard. Right. Right. Cause then you, you, your body just breaks down and you know, you, 
whether it's injury or you know developed symptoms of overtraining where you just you're mentally fried and then with that you know you can get sick because it does all sorts of things to your immune system and uh you know you, you can avoid that by taking the easy days really easy and the hard days hard um and that's i mean it's pretty basic but it's a good approach <laughs> for your training routine i mean there's but like to me it's just as much about the journey as it is like doing the race mm. from mm. from once again from what i can see from from how you're preparing for this and your and your with your mental and physical preparation to me once again from what i can see is like the training is part of the fun for you maybe maybe not yeah no it certainly is i i mean that's that's where you see all the gains right and you can draw confidence or, you know, be, uh, you know, let down by <laughs> various workouts. Um, but with a good training plan, you know, generally the trend will be upwards and, and you can draw confidence from that. And yes, yes, the journey. So the thing about Dirty Kansas is it's not just about fitness. You could have the greatest fitness, but if you show up on the wrong gear, you could be screwing yourself before the race even starts. So I've been had the opportunity to watch a lot of TV during my recovery. Um, so I watched a lot of different like YouTube videos about what people were using and you know what worked, what didn't. Um, there's some cool stuff out there, and you know I went out and I had a cross bike, but I got myself a, a dedicated gravel bike. So that's you know training especially for an event like this is an opportunity to test various strategies. You know, what are you going to carry? What are you going to eat? What's going to be your fueling strategy? Um, today I totally botched that. <laughs> nice. I think I, the last <laughs> two hours I tasted like I was burping up bourbon and oh, I had yeah. no desire to eat anything. Um, mm. Yeah. So at the end of a 140 mile ride, <sighs> I was in a bad place. <laughs> yeah, you sound remorseful. I'm Daniel, better now. You a, <laughs> Daniel, you had a follow-up question. So, Jeff, you talking about strategies like mm -hmm. and researching different strategies for Dirty Kanza. Do you plan on, and we can get into kind of the situation we're in now in the United States, and but do you plan on doing multiple Dirty Kanza races? And if we can talk about what has happened for this year for Dirty Kanza for yourself yeah. personally. Yeah. So, you know, given everything that's going on in our society with this COVID-19 pandemic, you know, earlier this week, I decided that it would be prudent of me to defer my entry to 2021. Um, so I did that. And uh, I unfortunately will not be there on the starting line in May, but I have a strong feeling that nobody will be there so right. it's unfortunate but you know it's kind of the kind of the hand we're dealt right now um so we just also gotta... very very smart thank you jeff for realizing what you need to do as a normal human being so thank you <laughs> you're welcome daniel uh, yeah thanks <laughs> and uh you know it, to it i think it would be a tall ask and I'm, you know, I'm discovering this as, you know, I start doing some of these longer rides, but it'd be quite a challenge 
to uh, to be prepared to ride 350 miles in eight weeks gotcha. from today. Um, you know, so that that played into it a little bit too. And I'll bring Do- up something that my my coach had said that you know, a race as long as Dirty Kansas, it's it's not so much about fitness as it is. It's like an eating competition because you you just you burn mm. so many calories and if you can't take them in right you're never going to finish anyways so you know you gotta interesting gotta train the gut hmm. yeah because that <laughs> i mean heck after like 100 mile mountain bike races my that's tough and that is you know a third of what you're going to go through and arguably you know i wouldn't say as it's not going to be as rough of terrain like Mm -hmm. no boulders and rocks but like for a week afterwards my gut was just destroyed because my my stomach was my body was trying to make sure i wasn't going to do that again (laughs) (laughs) plus you like you basically give yourself diabetes during these events because you're just sucking down all sorts of sugar and junk right nice right like Um, so uh, ahead, I, I I did have a like a, another question about that, Jeff. Once again, kind of on the higher level, more existential existential type uh, type question about oh boy, here you we go. doing the DKXL. But is this something that you would want to do multiple times, or or after if you if you com- you know should you complete DKXL, you know ride fairly well and ride you know at at a pace you're happy with and finish in a, in a pace you're happy with? Is that check the you know check the box and you move on to whatever other crazy thing you want to do or is it you know something that you want to come back and improve upon year over year you know it's certainly a bucket list item you know not having done it i can't say if i want to do it again yet obviously but you know i at some point i would want to do the 200 mile you know because that's that's more of a it's not a short race but you have support (laughs) You have support throughout, so you can, you know, kind of approach it from a different mentality, and kind of and and push yourself a little harder. I think in, in that respect, because um, you, I think there's like two or three checkpoints, so you can kind of count on those. Plus, there's 150 less miles. Yeah, <laughs> um. <laughs> that's that's really good math, Jeff. Thanks. We'll have you on for our math episode. <laughs> I'm still upset that you guys didn't have me on for Redwall, but you know that's. We didn't know. You didn't ask. <laughs> You're right. We d- I was afraid to, honestly. I was already weirded out by Adam's uh, passion for Redwall. So. It's such a good book series. Just, really I'm is. just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't we're going to do another. convert this into a re- into Redwall 2.0. Right. So, no, we're not. Um, Jeff, while you're racing Dirty Kansas, would you have your copy of Redwall with you to keep so you could take a little breaks and read a chapter of Redwall. So kind of my last question for Jeff, and then I can shut up. Um, so one of my friends from Performance Bike, one of his friends registered for Dirty Kansas and got in for the 200 and nice. went to Kansas and got to the start line. Um, and got his bike. No. <laughs> yeah, he was actually <laughs> running. He was doing the running version of the race. Um, but within like 10 or 15 minutes of actually starting the race, he got stuck in some mud and his derailleur hanger 
frame this bike frame completely broke the frame couldn't it was either it was either the frame or the derailleur hanger which so he didn't complete the race because within 10 minutes he broke his derailleur hanger which is his own fault that he didn't bring an extra derailleur hanger but how do you kind of prepare mentally and physically for that kind of mechanical situations like that jeff yeah I mean, so I'm comfortable, you know, working on bikes. So with mechanical issues, you know, there's not really much that would would bother me, you know, if I had to fix it. I am planning to have an extra uh, derailleur hanger, a spare set of brake pads. Um, I've heard people bring in an extra set of cleats for the shoes. I don't get that, but interesting. You know, I guess maybe. Okay. Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Gotcha. Here, well, here. yeah. So you're, yeah, I mean, you're like actually planning for everything that this race could throw you at. Yeah. You have to be able to respond to whatever could happen. I mean, if you break a chain, you need to be able to fix a chain. So having some quick links and a couple extra, uh, a little length of chain, you know, to, uh, to swap in if need be, you know, stuff hmm. like that's going to be important to have which I think shows your passion for kind of what you're getting into. So Jeff, you have my blessing. (laughs) You can go do dirty Kanza next year. (laughs) Got so much time to train now. Yeah, I know. Um, in kind of wrapping up, Adam, do you have anything else or, and Jeff, do you have anything else that you want to talk about with related to gravel cycling? No, I I mean, I don't have any more questions for Jeff. I, I do it's more of like the like if we look at the arc of gravel cycling and kind of where it's or how it's evolved in under a decade basically which is which is pretty yeah. impressive for what is considered to be like a a very new category to the cycling market um like dirty kanza has spawned you know countless other gravel races mm-hmm. right so you've got uh, like the Belgian waffle ride, which is kind of a road slash gravel ish ride out in San, San Diego area. You know, you know, you know, all, all of us have signed up for different gravel, you know, local gravel grinders. Low gravel ride. challenge. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> Shout out to roadie bicycle outfitters. Or Hell the, yeah. The, the Croatan buck 50, any mm-hmm. of these like adventure style races, which is, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, and but still, yeah, Dirty Kansas still is uh, uh, top dog, and the DKXL on on, on top of that. So, uh, Jeff, you know, with with it, you you mentioned earlier that you had deferred your registration to uh, Dirty Kansas twenty twenty one, correct? Yes. So now that you have a like a year and two months <laughs> to prepare. Are you, have you started that preparation cycle now or have you thought about it? Um, no, I really haven't thought about it yet. I mean, if, if we count today's ride, then yes, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, and unfortunately we kind of just have to see how, you know, things unfold with this, uh, coronavirus stuff and, you know, if they say 12 to 18 months that we could be experiencing this and, you know, maybe who knows, uh, right. banking on it happening next year, but 
as far as as that goes, yeah, no like concrete structured plan in place yet. Um, I will say though that I have a few others on the uh, on the agenda for you know later on this year um, in June and actually I think nice. just June, but uh, you know we'll we'll see if those happen too. It's um, right. Yeah, everything's kind of up in the air at the moment. But going back yeah. to you know just gravel cycling in, in general and you know the growth of the sport and I think Adam you mentioned these sort of like adventure type rides. I think you know what attracts a lot of people to it is you're not sure if you can actually do it, right? It, Buck the Croton Buck Fifty is 150 miles and the Croton National Forest here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have signed up have never ridden 150 miles before. You know, so it's it's a great opportunity to challenge yourself in an environment that has support. You know, you have feed stops, you have emergency personnel. You know, if something goes bad, and hopefully it doesn't, but I think there's an extra level of comfort there uh, to kind of put yourself in a a bad spot for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of like the whole, like we kind of touched on the beginning, the whole point of gravel cycling is challenging, challenging yourself in a new environment, but almost not taking it too seriously. Like you can take it extremely seriously, or you can be a dude who just loves being out on your bike, loves being out in nature, doesn't want to get hit by a car and just enjoy riding out on dirt roads in your local area. Um, I mean, that's kind of what gravel cycling is all about and what I love about it. You have guys that are coming in from the, the world tour and, you know, they're showing up at these gravel races. Um, the, uh, the guys over at EF, you know, they have a whole alternative racing calendar where they're doing these these kind of adventure gravel races um, in addition to, you know, your more traditional road cycling races like the Tour de France or, you know, things like that. So in one regard, it's cool. You know, you can sign up and, and race against pros, but at the same time, it there's an uncertainty to, you know, what's going to happen to the sport itself. You know, right now it's, it's largely ungoverned. Um, so race promoters have the freedom to do what they want, but, I know the UCI is is very interested in you know sort of taking it under its wing, if you will, and destroying mm-hmm. it. <laughs> well, oh, well, and to that point, like you're going to Dirty Kansas, there are going to be pros there, but no one questions the dude doing 50 miles for the Dirty Kansas race who's riding, say a hybrid, you know, with. Mm-hmm mountain bike clothes or mountain bike gear on or mountain bike helmet. Like you are lining up with the people who are there for the love of the gravel cycling sport and what kind of that ethos and culture kind of brings to cycling. You know, it's hopefully it, it stays that way. Um, hopefully. So, you know, it's free to, to do what works for you. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us. I know this was a little weird since we can't record in person and we can't feel each other's body heat and react to each other. 
I know. Never have I ever, never have I wanted to like hang out more with people at this point. Um, I'm <laughs> generally an introvert and don't want to really hang out with people at all. <laughs> I but, hear you. Um, uh, so again, really thank you, Jeff um, well, thank and you. Adam for sharing this time with all, all of our listeners. Oh, um, shall we hop into recommendations? Sure. All right. So last time, Adam, you recommended to me that I watch the second season of F1 Racing or uh, on Netflix, F1 Drive to Survive. Yeah. I have not gone back into it. So, Adam, I do want to watch Drive to Survive. Like, honestly, I just need to be in the mood for those kind of things. Um, And frankly, I'm not in the mood to watch. You know, I'm kind of interested in F1 Racing, but I'm not entirely invested in it so i know i'm not as cool as you man but maybe we could do an f1 or nascar episode and uh, you can try and get me into it sounds good man and last time i recommended that you listen to car seat headrests teens of denial album did you listen to that yes i listened to both and uh i did like uh i did i can't remember what it was which so the other one so it was car seat headrests Teens of Denial, and then Sylvan Esso's album, What Now, which is an electronic duo. Okay. Um, I liked the Sylvan Esso stuff. The interesting. Seat, the car seat headrest, not as much, but I enjoyed so, um, So in our last episode, I asked like if you like to dance, if you like to like shake your little ass, um, <laughs> or just like bob around a little bit. Did, you, did either of those albums make you want to just like dance and wiggle your hips around a little bit gosh really. i just God. don't like to dance though damn it adam what the <laughs> hell i'm with you adam damn it jeff what the hell um all right well i'm glad you checked those out adam so jeff as our guest what would you like re- uh, like to recommend to us today like nothing to do with cycling could be something that you're just really jonesing on right now especially in self-isolation. I'm sure we're rediscovering things that we are passionate about. So what would you like to share with us as a recommendation today? So have either of you guys watched the movie Outbreak? It's on Netflix right now. No, I have not. I think it was it was released in 1994. It's got a couple of big names. Um, oh, what's his name? He's got the I voice. know him. I, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. So that guy. All right. Oh my so God. Have a, oh, Morgan Freeman to... and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, Tootsie himself. Tootsie himself. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a very relevant movie right now. Right. So uh, I'd give that a check. Have you, you watched you Contagion, time? Jeff? I have not. Okay, I think that's an even updated version of Outbreak. Um. Okay. I will check out Outbreak on Netflix. And Adam Tiger King. Oh, and Tiger King. Damn it. I don't <laughs> really want to watch that one, Jeff. I'll be honest. The, I see just the dude with the blonde mullet, uh, his face appear in Netflix just pop up and it really freaks the shit out of me. So yeah. uh, that is a qualified recommendation for, for me. So. It's like a train wreck. You just can't look away. Sorry, Adam. I know you don't like to think yeah. about that, I'm sure. Well, now you've done it, Jeff. So, Adam, what would you like to recommend to us today? 
So, um, two things to listen to. Um, one being Lamb of God put out a new single Gosh. called Memento Mori. Another yes. one? Yeah. Well, they're leading up to a new album release in May. So, you know, it's awesome. Uh, I don't, Daniel, have you listened to it yet? I have, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm in love. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> the second Adam, it, we should be in love with Peep. Adam, you should be in love with people, not songs. <laughs> the second is a band, kind of a blast from the past, but Thrice. Do you? Did either of you all listen to Thrice back in the day? Uh, yeah, isn't the the, name's familiar? I used to listen to Thrice a lot. Isn't the front man of Thrice like a piece of shit? Is he? Oh. <laughs> Wow, you I really that just want to. I really just want to take the wind out of Adam's sails right now. <laughs> take the wind out of the sails and put a hole in the bottom of the boat. Anyways, what what's um, your recommendation, Adam? So, anyways, because yeah, because they they started like Dustin Kinsrew was like a uh, worship leader when he first started out, and it's the same people. But anyways. gotcha. So there was a. Uh, I I just started listening listening to them again. Um, their latest album, Palms, and when I say latest album, it was put out in 2018. Um, but it's it, I I find it really good. Um, their the vocals of the band have changed. So the front man has um, has uh, hit, yeah his his voice has changed and gotten a little bit more gravelly. And so it sounds a little bit. Uh, oh, it's gotten more gravel cycling y. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> all that um, dust. Yeah. All that no, but they, the, the, their, their sound is a little bit more grungy uh, as opposed to, I'd say, like emo pop <laughs> uh, nice. is how I would, or emo, emo rock is how I describe them, you know, back in the mid 2000s. So, anyways, the album Palms by Thrice, it, it was, it's just good listening at this point in time. Huh, I'll check it out. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and this time around, Adam, I am going to recommend to you a also a musical album from a music band called Red Death. They are a hmm. DC-based punk band, but their latest album, let me pull it up, is called Sickness Divine. Okay. Um, it is so the band is Red Death. The album is Sickness Divine. It is more of a metal album than a punk album. So it's like a clear blending of punk and metal to be like a really, really good thrash album with kind of Metallica like and Kill 'em All like um, riffs and vocals. And it's really good. I've been rocking out to it this past week. Um, so, yes, please check out Red Death's sickness divine i'll definitely check it out please do well jeff thank you again so much for talking with us to us about gravel cycling us yeah um (laughs) hey thank you for letting me talk to you we really appreciate your hard work and your hot body and your porridge and your boxer briefs of course, we are on all the social medias. Adam, what is our Twitter profile? Oh boy, it's Passion Fruits P2. Oh my God, I'm about to cry. <laughs> you got it right. Uh, and we are on Facebook at Passion Fruits Podcast, Instagram at 
Passion Fruits Podcast. We have a blog at passionfruitspodcast.home.blog. We are on YouTube. We are on all your podcast apps. Sincerely, everybody, we know that everybody is going through kind of a weird, rough, shitty time right now with the COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, We sincerely hope that you are taking social distancing and medical professional advice seriously. And we hope that this podcast provided you some respite from the craziness that's going on. So um, I've been Daniel signing off. (laughs) Is anybody else still there? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. I'm once again, I'm Adam. We've never said our names at the end of an episode, Daniel. I'm throwing you off. (laughs) And I'm still Jeff. Jeff. Oh, nice. And we are Passion Fruits Podcast. Good night, everybody. Peace out. Bye.